Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 25 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead. Brother Mead is listing five grounds for the mistake. What mistake? The mistake of um, going no further in their profession than to be an almost Christian. Number two, this mistake arises from the pride of a man's spirit. There is a proud heart in every natural man. There was much of this pride in Adam's sin, and there is much of it in all Adam's sons. It is a radical sin, and from hence arises this overweening opinion of a man's state and condition. Solomon said, Be not righteous overmuch. Austin, speaking occasionally of these words, said, It is not meant of the righteousness of the wise man, but the pride of the presumptuous man. Now, in this sense, every carnal man is righteous overmuch. Though he has none of that righteousness which commends him to God, to wit, the righteousness of Christ, yet he has too much of that righteousness which commends him to himself, and that is self-righteousness. A proud man has an eye to see his beauty, but not his deformity, his parts but not his spots, his seeming righteousness, but not his real wretchedness. It must be a work of grace that must show a man the lack of grace. The haughty eye looks upward, but the humble eye looks downward, and therefore this is the believer's motto, the least of saints, the greatest of sinners. But the carnal man's motto is, I thank God I am not as other men. Number three. Many deceive themselves with common grace instead of saving through that resemblance that is between them. As many take counterfeit money for current coin, so too many take common grace for true. Saul took the devil for Samuel because he appeared in the mantle of Samuel. So many take common grace for saving because it is like saving grace as man may be under a supernatural work and yet fall short of a saving work. The first raises nature. The second only renews nature. Though every saving work of the Spirit is supernatural, Yet, every supernatural work of the Spirit is not saving. And hence, many deceive their own souls by taking a supernatural work for a saving work. Number four, many mistake a profession of religion for a work of conversion, an outside reformation for a sure sign of inward regeneration. If The outside of the cup is washed, then they think all is clean, though it is never so foul within. 
This is the common rock that so many souls split upon to their eternal hazard, taking up a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Number five, lack of a home application of the law of God to the heart and conscience to reveal to a man the true state and condition he is in. Where this is lacking, a man will sit down short of a true word of grace and will reckon his case better than it is. That is a notable passage which the apostle hints concerning himself. I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Here you have an account of the different apprehensions Paul had of his condition with and without the word. Here is his apprehension of his condition without the word. I was alive, said he, without the law. Paul had the law, for he was a Pharisee, and they had the form of knowledge and of the truth of the law. Therefore, when he said he was without the law, you must not take him literally, but spiritually. He was without the power and efficacy of it upon his heart and conscience, convincing, awakening, and discovering sin. And as long as this was his case, he did not doubt his state. He was confident of the goodness of his condition. This he hinted at when he said, I was alive, but then... Here is his apprehension of his condition with the word, and that is quite contrary to what it was before. When the commandment came, said he, then sin revived, and I died. The word of the Lord came with power upon his soul when the Spirit of God set it home effectually upon his conscience. That is meant by the coming of the commandment, then sin revived and I died. That is, I saw the desperateness of my case and the filthiness of all my self-righteousness. Then my hope ceased and my confidence failed. And as before, I thought myself alive and my sin dead. So when God had awakened conscience by the word, then I saw my sin alive and powerful and myself dead and miserable. So that this is the first reason why men go no further in the profession of religion than to be almost Christians. It is because they mistake their state and think it is good when it is not, which mistake is fivefold. Number one, a deceitful heart. Number two, a proud spirit. Number three, taking common grace for saving. Number four, outward reformation for true regeneration. And number five, lack of home application of the law of God to the heart and conscience. <clears throat> Reason two, it is from Satan's cunning who... If he cannot keep sinners in their open profaneness, then he labors to persuade them to take up with a form of godliness, 
if he cannot entice them on in their lusts with a total neglect of heaven, then he entices them to such a profession as is sure to fall short of heaven. He will consent to the leaving of some sins, as long as we keep the rest, to doing of some duties, as long as we neglect the rest. Nay, rather than part with his interest in the soul, he will yield far to our profession of religion and consent to anything but our conversion and closing with Christ for salvation. He cares not which way we come to hell, as long as he gets us there at last. Reason three, it is from worldly and carnal policy. This is a great hindrance to many. Policy many times enters caveats against piety. Jehu will not part with his calves, lest he hazard his kingdom. Among many men, there would be more zeal and honesty, were there less design and policy. There is an honest policy that helps religion, but carnal policy hinders it. We are commanded to be wise as serpents. Now, the serpent is the subtlest of creatures, but then we must be as innocent as doves. If piety is without policy, it lacks security. If policy is without piety, it lacks integrity. Piety without policy is too simple to be safe, and policy without piety is too subtle to be good. Let men be as wise, as prudent, as subtle, as watchful as they will, but then let it be in the way of God. Let it be joined with holiness and integrity. That is a cursed wisdom that forbids a man to launch any further out in the depth of religion than he can see the land, lest he be taken in a storm before he can make safe to shore again. Reason four, there are some lusts espoused in the heart that hinder a hearty closing with Christ. Though they bid fair, yet they do not come to God's terms. The young man would have eternal life, and he bid fair for it, a willing obedience to every command but one, but only one. And will not God abate him one? Is he so severe? Will he not come down a little in his terms when man rises so high? Must man yield all? Will God yield nothing? No, my brethren, he that underbids for heaven shall as surely lose it as he that will give nothing for it. He who will not give all he has, part with all for that pearl of price, shall as surely go without it as he who never once cheapens it. Not coming up to God's terms 
is the ruin of thousands of souls. Nay, it is that upon which all who perish do perish. A naked sinner to a naked Christ, a bleeding broken sinner to a bleeding broken Christ. These are God's terms. Most professors are like iron between two equal lodestones. God draws and they propend towards God, and the world draws and they incline to the world. They are between both. They would not leave God for the world if they might not be engaged to leave the world for God. But if they must part with all, with every lust, every darling, every beloved sin, why then the spirit of Demas possesses them and God is forsaken by them? My brethren, This is the great reason why many that are come to be almost Christians go no further. Some one beloved lust or other hinders them and after long and high profession parts them and Christ forever. This concludes episode 25 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.